On the show today, I have uh, Jason Andrews. He's a hypnotist and a coach, and uh, he has a great book called Change Your Past and Change Your Life. How are you, Jason? I'm doing well, doing well. How are you? I'm, I'm doing great. Uh, what part of the country are you in, by the way? I am on the east coast of the U.S. I'm in Virginia. Virginia. Nice, nice. We're on opposite sides of the coast here. I just want to get right to it and ask you, what is hypnosis? That is the right question to ask because um, I, I use that word because it's something that people have heard of and it sort of brings up this idea of, you know, mysteriousness and special powers. Um, but it's actually very a mechanical process. What it is is simply a very heightened focus of attention directed by somebody outside yourself. If it's directed by yourself, you could call that meditation. If it's externally directed, you basically call it hypnosis. And the key factors in hypnosis are that you have access to the deeper functions of the mind that generally bypass the analytical faculty, the critical faculty, um, that sort of conscious gatekeeper faculty. Once you can do that, uh, you can pretty much call it hypnosis. Okay, does it really work? Because I know a lot of people are skeptical about hypnosis. And uh, is there any studies or, or how can someone know that it's actually working when it's being done? That's another good question. So there are some studies that have shown some interesting things about the effectiveness of hypnosis. I think there have been a ton of studies of hypnosis and breast enlargement. Right. Apparently, this, this works quite well. <laughs> That's an interesting and, uh, I know, concept. I, yeah, it's you know you have to decide what where your study money is going to go, and I think that's <laughs> just what they decided to pick. Um, the there are problems with that approach, however, because hypnosis is by definition a very subjective experience. In other words, if it, it can be a challenge to identify when someone's subconscious mind is being shifted because it's possible to do that with a trance. And by trance, I mean that relaxed, nice, peaceful feeling where you sort of feel like, you know, right when you're uh, about drifting off to sleep. And, you know, I think everybody's familiar with that, um, that feeling. That can be measured, but it's also possible to make certain changes in the mind without necessarily having to have that trance. So when most of the studies say, well, did, you know, we tried to hypnotize 100 people using this exact script and for this exact issue uh, and they're and so you, you, you don't get a quite a rigorous um, a rigorous set of comparisons there. The more appropriate way would be to say if uh, is, is to go to a hypnotist who can tailor each person's um, each each person's interview or each person's session for the specific needs that that person has. Now, how does persuasion relate to hypnosis and are they how are they related? I would define persuasion as changing someone's mind without necessarily generating a formal trance in the, in the other person. 
For example, I can do some. There's a there's a there's a field called neurosemantics, and it's basically the idea of uh, how beliefs are structured. Okay. Now I can just start asking you questions and completely do a belief. Now that would be considered a form of persuasion, but I don't actually have to use hypnosis per se to do that. It sounds to me related to neurolinguistic programming. Is that also kind of part of that constellation of techniques? It is. The original people who generated neurolinguistic programming basically studied hypnotists and some other really uh, extraordinarily effective therapists, and they sort of boiled down what those people were doing into a set of kind of protocols. Okay. And they they called it neurolinguistic programming, but it's um, I've also heard neurolinguistic programming defined as hypnosis without the trance. Oh, so I that's see. NLP has gotten a little bit of a bad rap. Originally, it was extremely powerful, but they stopped teaching the really uh, the really powerful stuff until you sort of get deeper into the into the trainings. Was it because some practitioners were using it in a way that was not considered, uh, I guess you would say, moral? That's a big part of it. Yeah, absolutely. And then there was a fallout between Bandler and Grinder who uh, created it. And I think Bandler was on trial for something else. There was a lot of, you know, uh, sort of bad branding but there there were uh, also some people who were doing uh, less than savory things there were some religious groups that got a hold of it and were doing uh, you know heavier duty programming and things like that and then a bunch of people who were in the in the center of the field so to speak started to pull things back to prevent that from happening and going back to um a persuasion. So you were saying that by asking someone, or for for example, myself, a series of questions, you can actually change uh, their worldview or their or, or a set of ideas they have. Is that correct? Absolutely. The way beliefs work is that a belief is necessarily a distortion or a generalization or. Um, an approximation of of what's actually happening right you can't form a belief that isn't some some form of of generalization and what that means is there's always some missing information and by discovering what that missing information is you can show where that belief doesn't apply and it stops becoming universal there's a there's a real art for this is persuasion and hypnosis and neurolinguistic programming these techniques used in advertising? And do you have any examples of that? Yeah, neurolinguistic programming, not so much anymore. There was a time, I think in the 90s, where it really got, you could, you could trace it. You could see what they were doing. But that sort of went by the wayside. I think more nowadays, it's more based on you might call it associations the 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 hypnosis or nlp term for this would be anchoring but it's basically you you evoke some sort of feeling and then you arbitrarily associate that feeling with your product i see okay and and that's more brute force and not super elegant but uh it works 
And, you know, it's so interesting uh, because a lot of these techniques are used for good, obviously. Uh, in your case, you help people change their lives and, and put their lives in the right direction. But some people use them to, in a way, uh, lead people astray. Absolutely. I think, like I said, a, a couple of religious groups got a hold of this type of stuff. In fact, that's how I got interested in this in the first place. Oh, really? Yeah, when I was a teenager, a religious group got a hold of me and a couple hundred other kids in my high school. <laughs> and uh, so I, I, when I started to get myself out of those sort of mental um, kind of prison, really, you know, uh, that's when I started to get involved in, in learning how to do all this stuff. Interesting. So, so, so from your experience of being, in a way, had this technique used on you, you were able to kind of decipher that and reverse engineer it. Correct. I had help though. What, uh, what do you mean my, by that? Well, my own um, mentor, who I've worked with for about 20 years now, I think this was Yahoo message board like 20 years ago. <laughs> and uh, I, was, I had just started to learn some of this stuff. I found a Tony Robbins book and then a couple other books by Bandler and I was, you know, talking talking about it somehow on this on this message board and this guy says, hey, you you're not doing this right you know i can help you with this and you know fast forward and we started working together and discovered how much programming had been done to me and then we we spent quite a bit of time reverse engineering it that's really that's a very interesting story and you mentioned uh, tony robbins and i know he has some, a technique uh, in one of his books where he mentioned something called auto suggestion uh what does that mean that is let me back up one step suggestion is the idea that you can put something in someone's mind some sort of belief or statement that they will accept and then later on they will act as if it were true without um without objecting to it and this is the the operating principle of of hypnosis now auto suggestion is simply doing this with yourself as the operator okay. and the, the classic way of doing this is simply affirmations you just tell yourself something enough times and you and it sinks in do you think that cults use this these techniques knowingly or unknowingly in other words as a person for example who is a uh, cult leader uh, who's charismatic learns ideas or certain techniques have a response or do they you do you think they actually go and and read some of this literature and are able to kind of hone it in and and kind of deploy it more recently it's been available to the public to sort of learn through books there was a there was a phase of like the late 70s through about 2000 where people were basically teaching anyone whatever they knew and then it started to to be locked down a good bit more whereas nowadays the books that you buy to read about this stuff while you read the book to learn about it it will actually perform hypnosis on the reader to make sure <laughs> you don't do anything super sketchy now, now when you're talking about throughout history i've looked at a lot of different things and particularly i have a real interest in what are known as the um, the mystery cults, 
And these were ancient cults in Greece and basically all over the ancient world where there would be a, um, you'd have like the initiate and then they would go through this uh, initiation ritual and then they would come out on the other side. And these um, actually led into Christianity in a lot of ways. But what I'm discovering is that they certainly were using these principles and, and using this stuff in those initiations. They would, uh, they would, in certain cases, like in the ancient Egyptians would give the, um, the initiate who, were, who was going up to the priesthood, they would give them a kind of, some sort of psychedelic or mind altering substance, go underground, and then there would be these things like uh, wailing voices to scare them, you know, and in the altered state, it would really freak him out. And then they would go through all the um, symbolic, uh, symbolic things, you know, oh, you pick the, um, they would offer you the, I think it was like the crown of uh, political power or the, um, I can't remember what it was, the torch of spiritual enlightenment. And the initiate would have to grab that. But if you're doing that in a altered state based on the drug or based on the situation, it's going to have that kind of same deep effect that you can get through words with hypnosis. So in, you know, long story short, they were using it, whether or not it was consciously understood as these certain principles. Uh, that's very interesting. Um, so, so they kind of maybe stumbled upon this and, and they saw the results and they said, Hey, this technique actually works. Let's repeat it over and over again until we do whatever, whatever we want to do. Um, yeah. Are certain people more susceptible to suggestion and persuasion and hypnosis and and uh, neurolinguistic programming than others? And and if not, what can someone do individually to kind of create a firewall against uh, against bad actors who are using those techniques? That is a really good question. The the susceptibility. I am not convinced that it's possible to resist it completely because it's just a part of the way the human nervous system works. I do know that people who have a um, people who have a structured, uh, stable life tend to resist it a lot more. In other words, if you get someone from uh you know they had two parents who stayed together and they have a brother and extended family and all this stuff and you're going to try to draw them off into something completely different from what their world is they're they're much less likely to buy into it that, that's an interesting idea because i would think they would be the most susceptible especially if maybe they've grown tired and bored of of this this kind of life maybe they want a little bit of excitement it's kind of scary when you said people can't resist this because it's kind of the way the the mind is structured right so in a way for a person who's a professional in this in these techniques looks at the world as with people running operating systems that have that all have back doors and can can essentially hack any brain and or hack any collection of brains to really achieve anything they want to a certain degree, because I would, you know, to, to use your metaphor, I wouldn't say that they're operating systems with back doors. I would say they're, they have front doors. Let me add on to the 
you know, previous question here as well. If you have a stable set of beliefs and a stable structure and a stable concept of how things are, it's harder to adjust that than um, if someone who is just so open-minded, like there, there's a reason that phrase, be so open-minded that your brain falls out, right? That's right. that's a real phenomenon. Someone who is is doesn't have that structured belief is is more susceptible. But at the same time, I suppose there's two ways people go through once they get to a certain level. And one way is, oh, I'm just going to do whatever I want. And then the other way is I'm going to help people because I walk around and I will talk to somebody for five to seven minutes and I know, I know what the major issue in their life is. I know, you know, oh, you're the, someone's main emotional conflict and I usually know how to resolve it and I can't walk around just, you know, you can't, oh, hi, hey, by the way, you know, I want you right. to feel really relaxed right now and, you know, you just, you can't do that. So. You, you you have to approach it in a way that it it works with the community at large because people know who a cult leader is and they they don't like them well how are so many people uh, susceptible to them and how do they create these massive uh, these massive cults that type of thing requires a kind of nervous system set wow that sounds that sounds even more scary. <laughs> it, it is. And we're, we're talking things like, you know, the POWs who were in China and North Korea. Yeah. Um, we're talking Pavlov, the, the guy with the dog. Oh, Pavlovian yeah. programming. Yeah. He, he figured out that if you overload a dog's nervous system, they become extremely suggestible. And that's, that's where you're getting into the actual cult work and that's a deeper level than hypnosis you can't do that with with normal hypnosis it just interesting it, it, re it interesting. requires a heavier hand you pretty much covered like the dark side of or the potential dark side of some of these techniques now tell me all the good things and all the good ways that we could use hypnosis and all these techniques to better our lives a thing i like the one, one thing i like to say is the you are only limited by your own mind. And what I mean by that is once you, if someone has trouble with anything, almost every time there are going to be certain beliefs that are causing them problems, holding them back. There are going to be emotional events from their past that if they do what they want to do, it's gonna trigger that, pet, that pain from the past and it's gonna stop them from doing it. And what I just kind of about, like is this kind of like self sabotage exactly self conflict self sabotage what I get to do is neutralize those events for people in the past so that the emotional issue isn't there anymore the emotional sabotage isn't there you have somebody who is conflicted about something we can take those conflicting parts integrate them into a single thing and there's no more, there's no more, um, there's no more conflict. There's no more slowdown. There's some of the, some of my favorite work is when someone is just simply not, not aligned. Their value system isn't, isn't set up properly. And by that, I mean, 
the things that matter to them in life. And once you you get someone to examine what they value and line it up and, and think, well, actually, I don't really, I don't really care about that. What I care about is this, you know, I um, think for an example, um, great many times I will have people tell me they don't care about their job nearly as much as they thought they did. They care about their family. Like I, I, I run into that continually. And that's one of those shifts that once you make for someone, their their entire existence changes. I mean, I'll I'll be I do sessions over video chat, and I will watch as they and you can't see me right now, but I'm like they will roll their shoulders back, they will you know stretch their neck because this immense burden gets lifted off of them. It's it's really fulfilling. <laughs> it's it's really it's it sounds like it's uh, life changing, and because I know I know hypnosis is used to have people quit smoking. And I'm sure they could also use it to quit bad habits. Now, why do people find themselves in these situations where they're not happy with their lives, and and you know they say they they're told to care about their jobs, and then but they really care about their families. Like, what's the what's the evolution of uh, uh, of that? The biggest, I can't remember who said it, but someone said the easiest way to be brainwashed is to be born. The, the the natural process of, of how humans learn is experience and then you take something from it you take some sort of learning the problem happens when someone is has a has a experience that's greater than their ability to understand especially when they're a child i there's one particular client i had who when he was he, he had a number of, of of issues and they all boiled down to this time when he and his family went to the beach when they when he was three and his his mother went to the car and his father went with her to get something and they were gone for I, I don't know a few minutes but he was there by himself and and as a three-year-old he started crying he felt like they weren't coming back he felt very abandoned, and at three years old, that's a terrifying thing. Right. Now, a nice lady walked by and started talking with him until his parents came back. And but he was he was traumatized from that for you know he was twenty something when when I worked with him, and he couldn't understand then at three that they were coming back, right? And right. but at twenty three. Or 25 or however old, old he was, he's like, oh, I, yeah, they came back. I knew they were coming back. <laughs> but he couldn't understand that at three. And that's how some of these things happen. The mind learns things beyond its capacity to fully understand the situation. And and this is a, a really great example. Uh, and, and for example, he was he was traumatized by the idea of being abandoned at that age, something that was uh, uh, that he wasn't able to understand. Now, how do you how do you get a person to remove that kind of roadblock from their life through hypnosis. In this particular case, there's actually several, there's a number of different ways to do this, but I'll talk about the one that is in, that I use in my book. And okay. this is simply, you understand then what you understand now. I know that sounds paradoxical, but you understand when you're 25 that oh yeah your parents are coming back so you give that understanding to the three-year-old and suddenly the three-year-old's like oh they're coming back and it completely neutralizes the emotion theory because everything's actually okay right 
and then you move them back forward through through up to the present moment. Interesting. So you go back in time, uh, in their mental time, and then kind of reassure them that they are coming back. And for some reason, it kind of like it unlocks the spell of that trauma they had. Right. It reinterprets the memory. It doesn't rewrite the memory so much. Okay. But it re-encodes it. It neutralizes the emotions out of it. And it, it completely frees them up in, in many cases. And in some cases, I've seen sort of physical healing occur. You know, oh, my neck has been hurting for seven years and it doesn't hurt anymore. You know, because that was just a manifestation of that emotional, uh, uh, the emotional pain for all those years. So it's... I, there's there's a physiological effect on these traumas that uh, that we might have. Absolutely, and it's harder to say, oh, you have this physical problem. Let's find the the emotional root, right? There are people who do that, and you can get, you know, there you, there are people who have success that way. It's a little harder to do it that way. Usually, what happens is let's address this emotion, and then something sometimes will spontaneously fix on the physical level. I don't want I don't want to give you the idea that, you know, you could just start healing people left and right physically by emotions. There's a lot of studies that say there's a connection between stress and, you know, the expression of certain uh, diseases, unfortunately. Now, uh, I know your book, uh, Change Your Past, Change Your Life, is available on Amazon. And uh, tell, tell us more about your book. This book is not designed as a way to teach you how to do anything. The book is actually designed as sort of a mini session. In other words, by reading the book, your mind will go through the processes similar to what I do with clients in an actual session and actually run through the process like similar similar to the one I was talking about with the uh, three-year-old at the beach. Okay. So it's designed, you can read it in about an hour. The audio book I've been getting, um, I've get, I've been getting some reports that the audio book is a little more effective because it's me, the hypnotist, actually reading it. When someone's reading a book and they're in a way meditating the words to themselves, can someone be hypnotized in that way? <laughs> and do some authors kind of use that? Anywhere you can use words, you can induce hypnosis and in fact, you can induce trance and in fact you can do it even without words by using certain rhythms or um, sound tones and uh, I'll give you an example the if you play 440 Hertz in the right ear and 420 Hertz in the left ear the brain will go down to 20 Hertz which is what I want to say alpha wave trance state. Yeah. so so it's possible in a number of ways uh, but it's absolutely possible in the book. While, while reading the book, what's going to happen is your mind at the subconscious level is going to start to do certain processes, undergo certain processes. And you may or may not consciously be aware of it, but they will be happening because that's what hypnotists do. We communicate directly with the subconscious mind. Now, that's, that's very interesting. Yeah, I, I, I'm continually fascinated by my own field. It's... What inspired you to get into this field? I think a lot of it is is that I just really do feel that the human mind is just fascinating. And I, I believe that the inner world 
is at least as big as the outer world. And the, the, the space to explore in there is just, just tremendous. I feel, you know, I also feel incredibly, you know, I, I, I love it when I help someone and change their life. That is just one of the best feelings. And I'm sure that's very rewarding. Yeah, that's the right word. It's very rewarding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's a it's a great thing that you're doing that because I know a lot of people um, need that, and especially in this kind of world where we're going through this these certain situations in the world, uh, people are probably going through a lot of pain, and uh, and these techniques can definitely help to change the quality of their life. What about using psychedelics for the hypnosis process? Is that something people are doing, or is that usually not recommended? I know there's a lot of really good research going on right now with shrooms and the releasing of trauma. So I'm I'm going to be hesitantly, but maybe slightly optimistic on that front that they can be used positively. Now, I don't know if you know who Timothy Leary was. Oh yeah, of course. Who doesn't? Yeah. He thought that certain traumas from someone's past, he, he identified certain uh, programs in basically all mammals. And he called them imprints. And these were things that would get set at a certain stage in someone's life. For example, uh, like, you know, the runt of the litter in dogs and yeah. would be smaller. That that is one of the imprints if the if the mother rejects the baby then it has all those problems that the runt would have okay and they, he said that all mammals have these and they don't respond to standard therapy in any way he thought you could only fix those through lsd trips or hallucinogen trips he thought that was the only thing that could get deep enough and then so you take the guy would take the LSD and they would have somebody yeah, and everything's good for you. And, it, you know, and it would rewire the brain that way. However, later on, uh, I think it was Masters in Houston realized that you could do the same. You could get the same effect with hypnosis. So I'm going to say that I don't quite consider hallucinogens necessary because hmm. a sufficiently skilled hypnotist ought to be able to get the same general results, but I'm not going to say that that there's no place for them. Most people have a have a concept of hypnosis as going into the nice comfy trance and waking up later with some changes. And that is one way, to, but there are other ways of simply um, inducing um, change without without the trance. And I know I, I mentioned this a little bit before, but those are the ones that are very frequently being done to society at large. The, I mean that all societies have interests in getting their, you know, their citizenry and everybody else to think certain, certain ways. I think right now there is a tremendous war going on in, you know, most of the world over what types of beliefs are allowed and which ones are good and which ones are not. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And um, um, now shifting back to the book, what can someone find to gain 
after reading this book, I read the book and I think it's a great book and, I, and that's why I have you on the show because I think it was a fascinating book and I think people should definitely read it. But what, from your perspective, I, I want to know, what will people gain from reading this book? And the book, by the way, it's called Change Your Past and Change Your Life and it's available on Amazon. I've gotten tons of DMs and uh, all kinds of other messages from people who have told me that a specific thing that they were dealing with is not as big of a problem. In fact, in the book I address um, social anxiety, uh, issues from the family, um, and anxiety and um, depression in general. And now it's not going to take someone who is, you know, severe, depressed, severely depressed and suddenly they're, you know, happy and reset. Um, the book itself will function about maybe, maybe half of a, an individual session live with me. Um, and that's actually kind of a lot. I'm, I'm going to brag a little bit here, but, <laughs> uh, but I've gotten a lot of things where people say, well, yeah, I, you know, I, I see things. My future is very different now. I used to think that, you know, um, someone I know actually read the book. She, um, her father was quite a, a troubled man. And she said that she was able to let go of a great amount of the things that she thought were not fair to her in her life from him. And that was from reading the section on, on the family, um, the family section from the book. Yeah. And I think that's exactly what I, what I wanted to do because not everybody can do, you know, live sessions. You know, that's where you're going to get your, your greatest effect. But I wanted to be able to reach people. I've had so many people reach out to me and say, you know, I'm broke right now, but I need, you know, can you help me? And, um, this, the book was, a, was, a, was a way for me to be able to do that for people. And I think, you know, the, the audio book is $10. I think the paperback is eight. So it's, it's accessible for a lot of people. Right. Well, Jason Andrews, thank you for being on the show. And where can people find more information about you? I have a website. It's www.jasonandrews.coach. 